everyone, Joe Gagne here. Welcome you to edition number 62 of Joe vs. the World. It is part two in our History of SummerSlam retrospective. And again, I am joined by, I don't know, are you still WrestlingObserver.com's Justin Shapiro, or are you just Justin Shapiro? Oh, I'm WrestlingObserver.com uh, through and through. All right, good to know. And the uh, Pulitzer Prize winning satire of Mr. Ken Kennedy. I nailed that guy. That's right, you showed him. Well, how you doing, Justin? Great. Awesome. Much better than last time. Oh, that long time ago we recorded. That's right. I was a little down. I was a little oh. down about this being it, but I've started to... I think it's less of a... It's more celebration for me this time. I'm just well, gonna, that's good. I'm going to take it, balls to the wall, uh, and, um, you know, ass to the grass. Just do it hard. Send you out in style. Hmm. All right. Well... We were covering the history of SummerSlam. We got up to 1998. We covered the first 10 on the first show. We'll cover the next 10, I guess, if you include 2007. So, Which I do. Okay. So if you're ready, we should jump right in. Do it. All right. Up to SummerSlam 98. What was that? Was there a tagline for this? I remember the, the Highway, Highway to Hell. Hell theme song. That's right. It was from MSG. And uh, actually looking at the poster now, I see, um, I guess, King Kong-sized editions of Stone Cold and The Undertaker battling each other in uh, an apocalyptic New York, hitting each other with uh, monuments and uh, uh, tourist sites. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this was, of course, headlined by Stone Cold and The Undertaker. Uh, this was, in fact, had a, it was a good match that had an awesome build, and I think it's the first time they did the... People who are feuding become tag champs and have to work together a bit. Although that, that may have been Stone Cold and Shawn Michaels the year before, but an, an early edition of that before it became very, very tired. Yes. Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, he did it with Michaels, but that that stuff was all kind of done on the fly and wasn't planned to mm-hmm. because um, of all the King of the Ring 97 stuff that got shook around. So this was the first time they meant to do it, I guess. Yeah. And uh, it was great. I mean, between it was one of the best built pay per views mm-hmm. ever, and um, for the time, a really good wrestling show. Mm. That's right, because you had besides the the title match, you had Triple H and The Rock in an icy title match that really helped to catapult them uh, a bit. Rock went on to win the world title later that year. Triple H the next actually the day after the next SummerSlam. And that was actually, I just watched that match on the Ladder Match DVD, and it's quite good. We, uh, quite good, exacerbated by the fact that those two, I mean, it's silly now, but at the time they weren't exactly known for, for being great wrestlers. No, not so much. Rock was an awesome, awesome personality, and Triple H was, you know, he had his jokes and was really over with uh, DX. But. Yeah, but on their own. You wouldn't really expect them to have a killer match like right. they did here. I mean, they were... 20 guys in WCW who were much better than both of them at that point. Yeah, and um, not as not as crazy as later layer matches would become, especially later Summer Slams, but still a lot of uh, good stuff and a very good match. Mm-hmm. I believe this is still the most successful Summer Slam ever. 
I would not be surprised by that. This was the... I think it's, at least before all the WrestleManias of the last yeah. couple of years started knocking things down, this was in the top ten. Wow. Um, and it, I also think it's the most successful WWF pay-per-view that was not uh, WrestleMania or Invasion. Wow. Well, it's well-deserved. They were firmly entrenched in the boom period, so to speak, and did a fine job on this pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. Look at that poster. Look at how the Statue of Liberty is sank into the, the harbor. Yeah, you can see this on Wikipedia if you're following along at home. Yeah, and Stone Cold looks kind of weak, kind of like Goldbergish from... Uh, let me click on this a bit more. Hey, well, he also looks kind of nude in uh That's weird, he photo. looks like Nikita Koloff. <laughs> he also, well, yeah, he looks kind of nude too, which makes this as disturbing as that ROH DVD cover with uh, Brian Danielson and Chris Saban. <laughs> I heard a rumor on... I believe it was at defamer.com that this uh, Austin Undertaker poster is actually going to be used 10 years later as the um, that J.J. Abrams trailer with where it doesn't say what the movie is. This is what it's about. Really? Uh, oh, wow. Yep. Austin and Undertaker are uh, very large and fighting. Okay. So I like the big Stridex logo in the top. Come on. <laughs> that really adds on to things there. Well, it, I like it with uh, WWF with its... Um, Really violent sounding uh, pay per view names, and they're always sponsored by like uh, Super Stokers or Candy. <laughs> candy. WWF Death Blow brought to you by Power Wheel. <laughs> Power Wheel. <laughs> oh, yeah, and um, uh, Val Venus made an early appearance here mm-hmm. on the show, as did Edge, so. Kind of divergent career paths for those two, showing up bit. around the same time, Edge. Well, same with Bob Holly and, and Hunter Hearst. That's also true. Mm-hmm. If you think um, about that, multi-time world champs on one side, utility guys at best on the other. Yes. Um, but uh, it's, this was the first... No, Austin and Undertaker wrestled at that May pay-per-view the year before, but this mm-hmm. was the one that kicked off an endless series of Austin and Undertaker yeah. matches. So much. I think they made jokes about it in WCW. Yep. They zinged them. People in glass houses were throwing stones at that point. Yes, they were. Oh, I can't got to mention the Ken Shamrock-Owen Hart Lions Den match, which looked like it took place in the big symbol, if memory serves. That was good. Yeah, that was actually surprisingly good stuff. And uh, Sable, which high spot did Sable do this time? No WrestleMania, she did the TKO. Did she do a Hurricane Rana this time? I don't remember. Hmm. I don't know, but uh, yeah, this was besides stuff like the oddity squashing uh, Kaintai, which was uh, infuriating at the time. Uh, much less so now, but we're a little desensitized to that. Yeah, you just kind of get used to it, and even that's you know. Talk about Funaki. That means has been with them that's for just actually as long. right. Yeah, he's up there in in terms of tenure. God damn. Actually, Vader was still employed, which surprises me. He worked on uh, Sunday Night Heat. It was pinned by Skull. <laughs> which, <laughs> he had, I think, weeks left at this point. Wow. It also said, uh, too much, the future too cool of Scott Taylor and Brian Christopher, beat the Legion of Doom. <laughs> what the fuck? How did that happen? How about that? Jesus you know, Christ. must have been drunk, you know? Oh, maybe he was. Animal was pinned, but maybe he was distracted by a drunk hawk. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Craziness. All right. Now, I have to read this according to, to Wikipedia. It says, During the Undertaker's entrance, fireworks were scheduled to go off in the ring. Referee Earl Hebner was in the ring at the time, and someone could be heard yelling, Get out, Earl. 
Hebner barely escaped the ring before the fireworks went off. Hmm. Karma. Karma. It was a flawed death design oh. by Montreal that's been chasing after him. Oh. Took him out. He missed WrestleMania, and then, uh, yeah, he was hospitalized for WrestleMania 14, and then someone tried to blow him up here. Maybe it ties in with Tim White's suicide attempts, too. Yes, not right, a lot a of... sickness. Uh, There's a hit put out on Earl for Hell in a Cell uh, 2002 between Jericho and Hunter, and instead Tim White took the bump uh, oh, and destroyed yeah. his shoulder. That's a widely reported uh, fact, and uh, people went out to get Earl ever since leading him. Huh. It sent Tim White into a shame spiral, which is sad. Another person screwed by Earl. Hibner. Wow. All right. SummerSlam 99. This was apparently called... An out-of-body experience. Oh, in reference to Jesse the Body Ventura, who was not only the, uh, I was say the mayor of Minnesota, he was the governor of Minnesota and also the special guest referee in this match. Mm-hmm. I mean, technically he was an, an in-of-body experience. Yeah, I guess so. Because all the ones between this and 1990 that were out-of-body. Yeah. Actually, the, the match, I should mention, was Mankind against Stone Cold and Triple H. Saw Mankind win the WF title. Only so they would have a happy ending with Jesse Ventura as the ref. And he lost it the next night to Triple H. Which led to some hilarity when Shawn Michaels went on Bite This, I think in September, and uh, complained long and loud about uh, Steve Austin not doing the job for, for Triple H. Yeah. And led to him getting sent home. Speaking of glass houses. <laughs> um, but uh, Austin did, he did a job on pay-per-view, I think, uh... During the, the, the fall of 99. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so take that. In a match that was much better than this main. Not that his main event was bad, but um, Austin and Foley were both banged up. Yeah. It was originally supposed to be a singles match, and they called Mankind back from knee surgery early so he could save this match. Yeah. But uh, by this point, it was like latter-day Mick Foley, who was kind of uh, hobbling. He was uh, pretty, well, fairly close to retiring a couple months. Mm-hmm. About six months, but... You also had the infamous uh, test Shane McMahon love her or leave her match, a Greenwich Street Fight, uh, which was probably Test's shining moment. I think in the RSPW Awards, I actually awarded this the third best match of the year, <laughs> which seems, which is boneheaded in hindsight, but at the time, I think everyone kind of felt time, that way. Uh, at the time, people were blown away. It, not just for love for this match, but it also led to like those ridiculous things. Like, imagine if if Shano trained to be a full time wrestler. Yeah. You know, he could be better than Juventud Guerrera. Oh. This guy's got it. Um, whereas, as we found out in subsequent years, he's more of a guy who uh, takes some crazy risks and and can do well in the context of a intricately laid out match where he only has to wrestle two or three times a year. But yeah. Nevertheless, this was uh, quite entertaining. Yep. Probably the best match on this show. Actually, yeah, it was, according to me. It was a, it was a decent show, but nothing uh, blow. No, you kind of look back and see the flaws of the, the product at that time. Yep. You see them trying to elevate Mr. Ass, Billy Gunn against The Rock, and a Kiss My Ass match. There was, a travesty. Yeah. Billy Gunn heel push with a travesty. The fact that Chris Jericho debuted in an angle with Rock a few weeks later. So I guess theoretically it could have been that. But, I mean, Jericho didn't get off to a great start after that night. No, he was... I think he yelled at Ken Shamrock. during. He did something during the show. He interrupted the road dog. Oh, and that's said, right. Um, 
you spell D-O-double-G and you think you're really smart, well, try spelling lugubrious. <laughs> and there you go. He was uh, pretty awesome, that Chris Jericho. All right. But, um, yeah, there and, was a, uh, a tag team turmoil match. They had the hardcore title, Al Snow and the Big Boss Man. Uh, tag, turmoil, tag Turmoil gave us really the first taste of um, Hardy's Edge and Christian and yeah. how good those guys could be together. Um, which was actually a huge breath of fresh air because like up until that point, the really the only consistently good wrestling in WWF was... Austin in brawls, mankind in brawls, and Xbox. So, hmm. but uh, yeah. Rock Billy Gunn would be a sadder state of affairs if it if it at least hadn't um, led to one of the great promos of all time. Oh where, God, Billy praise to God. Yes. Yes. So that was. Oh. YouTube that, my friend. Yeah, look for that. That's uh, quality. Yeah, a lot of uh, Jeff Jarrett and D'Lo Brown. No, beat D'Lo Brown to win the. I see and European belts after Mark Henry turned on D'Lo because Mark Henry didn't want to exercise. <laughs> Enough said. Yeah, I think that's uh, about all that for there. Let's move on to 2000. Or SummerSlam 00, I guess we would have to do. SummerSlam ot ot. Uh This was a fantastic... They were on a pretty much amazing streak of pay-per-views at this point except for King of the Ring and possibly WrestleMania 2000. This was uh, actually a hell of a show, highlighted by, I think, the first TLC match, which is my favorite TLC match. Also, oops, Chris Benoit, there he is again. Uh, against no, there Chris, is for the first, first time. time, actually, but yes, that's right. Beating Chris Jericho in a hell of a two out of three falls match, and The Rock actually winning a main event for once, beating Kurt Angle and Triple H, and also more Shane McMahon falling from high places against Steve Blackman, of all people. Yeah, these really were the days. Yeah. In fact, the, the days were about to come to an end. Uh, start, the, the paint was starting to chip off the walls. This mm-hmm. is pretty much the end of the the reign of perfection, and then it slowly eroded through uh, that spring. Yeah. But um, now this is a great show. I don't mm-hmm. know where it ranks in, in the string of the great shows they put on that year and the next year, but... um. <clears throat> You had uh, just everything really came together in a in a wonderful and beautiful way mm-hmm. on this uh, show. Um, I, I would say there are too many matches, probably, and some of them could have benefited with uh, more time. But yeah, just everything was. Uh, it, it almost brings a tear to my eye how good uh, pro wrestling was right then. I mean, Undertaker Kane. Was, that was uh, rather pointless. It was bad and had no point because Big Show was sent to Fat Camp. <laughs> That's her. Oh, what a lovely picture that is. <laughs> um, X-Pocket Road Dog, I don't think the world needed to see. No, they were finishing up their era of uh, like relevance. They were really got. It was 2000 when all the, the new guys came in who were yeah. really good and sort of put those, made those guys uh, redundant. And... Um, Yes. Jericho and Benoit wasn't there. Again, it could have used more time. It only went like 13 minutes, which is kind of... I really can't think of a good two out of three falls match in the last who knows how many years, though, because it just seems like they're always more taken down by doing three falls in a short amount of time. I remember the um, Austin Triple H two out of three falls match Uh, being tremendous, and No Way Out (laughs) 2001 being very, very good. uh, Mm -hmm. But... 
uh, I'll have to mull that one over. Yeah. I'll leave that they, to the listeners out there to uh, help us out. They do go three times as long as this. So. Yeah. Yeah, that benefited um, by length, so. And uh, it's kind of funny because, uh, like, everyone remembers the love triangle yep. with uh, Angle and Hunter. But Rock, he was still the most over guy by far, still the number one star gigantic draw but he kind of had no program after they blew off uh the late dead chris benoit feud mm-hmm. and so he he was interjected into this and it was a uh ended up being really good um <clears throat> angle worked the match with a concussion because the pedigree through the table at the beginning of the match went awry you can see that on the uh don't try this at home mm-hmm. vignettes for a few years after that yep um I mean, at the time, it was like, hey, good job uh, playing through pain, and whereas now, it's like, like in retrospect, you realize that's like step one in, in the wrestling profession's uh, destruction of Kurt Angle physically and mentally, and a little bit more sad. But. Yeah. But, yeah, also, I have to mention uh, Jerry Lawler and Taz, with JR standing up and hitting uh, Taz with candy, or a jar of candy, I should say. That did happen. And seven years later, Lawler did more or less the same program, except uh, he was quite a bit more successful against Taz, who yeah. did not have a great go of things uh, no, for like his first two years in the company. Yeah, which is funny considering he, you know, became one of their most important employees, but mm. uh, did not have success. It's because he's not tall. Not yeah, tall that kind of did him in. And they didn't like him. Like, there's famous stories of um, him being protective of his his signature stuff and being really paranoid, which led to one of my favorite stories because I remember everything from this uh, time frame <clears throat> when um, D'Lo Brown and Chaz formed the Lowdown Tag Team, mm-hmm. and so Chaz, as a rib, started wearing a towel on his head and go- added another Z to his name and started running around putting people in the, in the Chaz mission. <laughs> Just to see if it would uh, piss off Taz. I remember remember Taz in the when he was in the Alliance during the invasion and and he would always like like Stone Cold be like oh yeah and Taz what do you think and Taz would be like <laughs> I think Kurt Angle's gonna kick your ass and Stone Cold's like ah, I can't believe you said that get him and the Alliance would beat up Taz and you're like okay they kicked Taz out of the Alliance <laughs> then next week they do the exact same thing. Not next like, week on SmackDown. Yeah, on SmackDown. Like, Kurt Angle's going to whip your ass, Stone Cold. It's like, oh, I don't believe you said that, and then beat him up some more. It's good times for Taz. Joe, do, do the segue from the Alliance. To, to oh, yes. Yeah. Speaking of the Alliance, we were knee-deep in the invasion for SummerSlam 01. Actually, looking back at this, a tremendous show. Mm-hmm. For what could be kind of a tough year for wrestling. Yep. Just uh, really... The only really bad thing here would have been the the Brothers of Destruction, the Undertaker and Kane, beating uh, Diamond Dallas Page and Canyon in a steel cage title match, where they were so one-sided you could retroactively label it a gay bashing. (laughs) And that's why Joe Gagney is the modern-day Howard Stern of uh, Pro Wrestling Podcast. But, yeah, um, great joke aside, it was um, really... In a nutshell, emblematic of the whole uh, yeah. WCW feud, which by this point was just the Alliance feud. Um, <clears throat> a lot changed between uh, the last SummerSlam and this one. 
uh, pretty much everything changed, and we would never, ever be the same again. Mm-hmm. But um, WWF started Slide pretty much the month after last year's SummerSlam was the first chink in the armor um, where they moved to Spike TV, and um, so August was the last month where TV ratings were at the like boom levels in the sixes. Mm-hmm. And um, they screwed up the end of the Hunter-Kurt uh, feud, and um, really, like, Angle, Jericho, and Benoit were all climbing the ladder that summer, and then that was all kind of done away with fall. I mean, I know Angle won the belt, but he was still a, a geek. And um, so then, let's see, WCW went out of business. Yep. If it was going to buy them that fall, and it fell through, and then ended up just getting the assets on the cheap. Yep. And then uh, ECW went out of business. Paul Heyman became the raw commentator when Jerry Lawler was fired, which is weird to yeah. think about. He was actually gone for an entire year. And um, <clears throat> I think, it, I don't know, we, we could do a whole show against on the invasion and everyone would be bored by it. But um, it was, uh, I don't want to recap too much, but it, like like you said at the beginning, this the the interpromotional feud was already really badly screwed up. Yep. But I think in retrospect, people tend to think of it as just like a nonstop disaster. Mm-hmm. But like for a month there in the middle, it was actually really good. Yeah. Um, the right before invasion was two weeks of like some of the most compelling TV they ever did, mm-hmm. and uh, they screwed that up when they <clears throat> uh, turned Austin. Yeah. And then they, it just kind of became um, Steve Austin as the leader of a bunch of goofs. But uh, August still wasn't bad. It wasn't until, like, the fall that it really became atrocious. So yeah. you still have a, a great a great SummerSlam. And, I mean, for all the, the flaws in booking that year, you still got a lot of awesome, awesome wrestling and, and generally great pay-per-views. Mm-hmm. Like this show... And you had Kurt Angle and Austin, and they, those two worked so well together, and this was no exception. Shitty finish aside, but what can you do? And uh, The Rock, Booker T, in the main event, you had Rob Van Dam when he was super over back when he first showed up against Jeff Hardy in a ladder match. Uh, God, there's really nothing really all that bad on this show. Edge and Lance Storm for the IC belt in the opener. It was just a hell of a show. I mean, was that the best... Actually, that would have been 2001, so no, it would not have been. That was the same year as WrestleMania X7. Mm-hmm. But still a hell of a pay-per-view that uh, I would recommend seeing. This was great. Unforgiven was great. No Mercy was great, even in you know oh, no terrible, terrible booking at the time. Um, but uh, everything on this is good. Lance Storm, I think, said it's his best match in the WWF. Hmm. And um, yeah, everything except the Brothers of Destruction, Destruction of brothers match uh, yeah oh well Jericho Rhino was gonna be good if Jericho hadn't gotten a, a concussion and fucked fell up. off the ropes twice well, it was kind of a, a tough period for uh, Chris Jericho it might have also yeah. been when he was starting to get really really big <laughs> uh, or maybe that wasn't until the end of the year when he got his big push But now I remember they edited those botches off the DVD do you agree with that philosophy like, when Goldberg slipped at a future SummerSlam, he fell down coming to the... Well, he didn't fall down, but he almost wiped out, and they edit that off. Do you think that's for the best, or do you think they should have a warts-and-all approach? I guess there's a line to be drawn, and maybe I would I would draw it in front of uh, the physical body of Chris Benoit, as far as things that I'm okay with being taken off those shows. 
there are things really you are missing out on an important piece of history. Ultimo Dragon slipping might not be <laughs> one such part of that history, but Brock and, and Goldberg getting booed out of the building would be. I'm kind of surprised they changed that because you'd think they'd want to stick it to both those guys. But mm. um, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, in this case, you can watch that Jericho Rhino match and be like, oh, this is good, <laughs> and not know the story. Yeah. Speaking of Brock, another fine segue. That brings us to 2002, uh, SummerSlam from the Nassau Coliseum. I think maybe the best SummerSlam. If not, it's certainly up there. It's just a tremendous show top to bottom, literally. Even when an Undertaker test match is pretty good, you know you're there's something good going on there. No, this is uh, probably one of the best pay-per-views of all time. Mm. Um, just really, really perfect across the board. And like, you came out of the show with a very, very short-lived zest for life because um, uh, most of 2002, and especially when they started the brand extension, the TV was not good. Yeah. It was kind of a, a dire, dire time where people who were in denial in 2001 were finally having to start to admit that there were some, some serious problems here. Um, and you had this run of, of people on top, like the um, the bad version of Triple H, who came back really, really big and slow, and then uh, Hogan, Undertaker. But then um, in July, they changed a few things, and, and it actually... Raw briefly, and then SmackDown throughout that fall was some of the best, uh, at least the best wrestling on TV in, in the history of the company. And and up until SummerSlam, the booking was pretty perfect as well. Hmm. I mean, in, uh, I guess we should talk Brock beating Rock to win the Undisputed Championship, the pure sports build, as everyone loves to point <laughs> these days, with Brock uh, lifting logs and Rock running around the stadium. It and actually. It did. It did work because um, it was actually a very good match. I remember the ending being pretty cool, and uh, crowd turned on Rock, which uh, fucked them. And um, <laughs> yeah, that was was it. That was it. In the Rock for uh, a while, he did the one match at uh, at WrestleMania 20, and that was that. Or no, he had that whole heel run. Yeah, that. he had the heel run. So not quite the end, but yeah, gone for a bit. By them turning on him here. Yeah. He really is, he's like, uh, he's the best man there's ever been. He, um, mm-hmm. I think I voted Rock Wrestler of the Year that year, and he only wrestled six months. So Still, yeah, he, hell of a he year. He had the Hogan match and the Brock match, and it's like, especially the year they had. Mm. I think Kurt Angle ended up winning, but he, uh, all he did was have a bunch of good matches. Yep. Um, but, yeah, Rock let... WrestleMania, uh, Rock left after that, and it was essentially the end of Rock as a full-time guy who mm-hmm. who worked house shows. And uh, he came back for what would become his traditional um, wrestling vacation in the summer. And uh, part of that vacation entailed winning the world title just so he could they could have one superstar who would put over uh, somebody the right way. And he certainly did that. Yep. And I uh, want to mention... Kurt Angle and Rey Mysterio in the opener, which uh, was really awesome match. Those two worked surprisingly well together. I'm surprised Rey has been in the WWE for five years now. That's true. That was his uh, pay-per-view debut. In fact, his pay-per-view debut, and they were actually weren't sure if they could have a good match together, but they certainly did. Mm-hmm. And you look up and down the card: Ric Flair, Chris Jericho, 
Edge, Eddie Guerrero, RVD, Chris Benoit, all good. It's just uh, just a hell of a night. And uh, Shawn Michaels came out of retirement for the first time in four years, I think. Um, yes. And a over against, four years. Yep, against Triple H in a street fight, which prompted his comeback, which continues to this day, which is uh, pretty amazing if... Um, you think about oh he was fucked he's gone for four years no he comes back fine and probably just as good as ever yeah what was your what was your thinking going into it because I know some people were confident because he's Shawn Michaels and they just expected him to get it done but uh, considering what this was the what had been the really big slow Triple H and this was his kind of a, an important match for him in a lot of ways although he yeah didn't get really good again until. Um, started working with uh, Benoit and Sean at the same time. but mm-hmm. um, And then Sean, you know, if you'll recall, had a career-ending back injury and didn't wrestle yeah. for five years. Um, not only that, but the last angle before the uh, pay-per-view, he tried to do a, like, a Piscata or something and tripped on the top. Oh, <laughs> that's right. Oh, I don't know about this. Yeah. And then, then what ultimately ended up being uh, that match was... Oh quite a revelation. It was. Just a, I was going to say a religious experience, but it would have been an all-too-easy yeah. shot at Shawn Michaels, because a lot of people uh, seem to yeah. be outraged by the fact that he's religious. But that was great. And at the time, it was like, yeah, I might have one or two matches left in me. And, uh, he went on to win the world title at Survivor Series, <laughs> and then, well, you know the rest. Mm-hmm. But uh, now this is uh, one of the, the great, 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 yep. great shows of all time. Go see this now. Yeah. All right. I look at SummerSlam 2003. I see Sable's naked body covered by the S logo for SummerSlam on Wikipedia. And uh, I actually don't know if I've ever seen this show because I'm looking at the results. I have. I don't even know that this happened. <laughs> I'm okay. I let's see. Okay, you had the Elimination Chamber match with Goldberg, and um, that's when he was running wild. He beat. Uh, Shawn Michaels, Chris Jericho, Randy Orton in uh, rapid succession, and then jobs at Triple H. And Certainly the uh, most over, and then instantly um, squandered that uh, Goldberg had ever been in the WWF. Yeah, question. Quite awesome, actually, when he, he started killing people, and it was like, yes, you're next, wrestler, and they were beat, and then... Initially supposed to be Goldberg Triple H singles match mm-hmm. as the the big main event for uh, the summer and Hunter um, must have torn his groin. That was when he had the perpetual groin injury, I think. Mm. And he was like, "Well, obviously, I'm still doing a long match." So <laughs> they change it to an elimination chamber, and then he said, "Obviously, as the great worker that I am, I need to put over." Uh, Goldberg clean in a long singles match, so I better win here. Yeah, and uh, sure enough, he did. And, and so uh, let's Goldberg. just let's just play time machine here. If, okay. you, if we went back and and I don't know, maybe called an audible and just said, you know, Trip Goldberg's on a roll. He just beats Triple H. What do you th- do? You think history would have changed? Do you think Goldberg would become a huge star? Do you think he would have stayed around? I, even if he did, I mean, he won the belt the next month anyway, and I, I, I don't think they would ever be willing to book Goldberg as strong as they did that night, and I don't think they would have booked Goldberg as strong as they did that night if he wasn't losing in the end. Um, and from the sound of things, he just uh, 
even he got they actually put the belt on him in the fall and had him had him beat Hunter a few times. He was still pretty miserable and hated working there, and I don't think they cared too much for him. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing not. Other than you know, if you were going to do Goldberg right, you'd probably have to start at the beginning of his tenure and change a lot of things. Uh, let's see. We also had Kurt Angle beating Brock with the ankle lock. I remember a match a result that surprised a lot of people. They'd put Brock over as a killer, but things worked out okay, especially since Brock left in like six months. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, that was Brock's first big match after turning heel, after turning face seven months before that, but um, or eight or nine or something like that. So, yeah, they didn't they didn't have a great plan with uh, Brock Lesnar and kind of changed their minds a lot. Um, but he was really really good at this point, and that was a, a great match with a kind of a puzzling finish. Yeah, but oh, we can't forget this was the the heel turn of Jonathan Coachman. Huge, huge, four years now. Wow, so huge he kicked over my telephone. <laughs> coach, that wacky coach. Coach, yeah, but a lot of the stuff I'm just like, did this, did this happen? Like I, I really don't know. It's um, not the best card you could have booked with those people. I mean, Ray Russell world's greatest tag team didn't wrestle and uh all the great workers on smackdown were in the um uh a four-way match which was good but pretty short Mm, yeah kind of dark days for the the wwe back in the day pardon me these are kind of dark days for the wwe yes between uh SummerSlam last year and wrestlemania 20 it was uh a tough go of things i mean there was good wrestling because at this point although that's starting to diminish but throughout that entire time they were they're always going to give you something but they would also there was no longer a great track record that you were always going to get a good show yeah sometimes you were in fact going to get a bad one yeah this was decent um because it had i mean angle lesnar's great elimination chamber is pretty good and uh, the uh four-way match is pretty good but not the not the best way to use people in the beginning of the uh the most insufferable Shane McMahon has ever been with his baby face push where he went toe to toe with the monster cane. Oh, I remember that. That was awful. You know, they actually, they may put out a DVD of Shane matches. Really? I remember that ring the Observer that was under consideration. I guess it would be good. Oh, I, that's just bad. That would be an egregious, uh, Use, abuse of power, as Rick Flair No doubt. Say. I can understand a Vince DVD, even if the Vince DVD is just an insufferable ego trip, but a Shane DVD is... What's it called? Like Shane McMahon, Boy Wonder? Oh, uh, it probably would be. Here comes the money? Here comes the money. Actually, having seen the Vince DVD, I'll actually say that it was insufferable in points, but the mm-hmm. overall impression I got of Vince is that while um, he is a, an, a very shrewd businessman... And he cares for his family and his company very deeply. He's really just kind of an asshole deep down. <laughs> so that's probably about as fair a portrayal as uh, you could imagine. He is... Um, I know, I mean, when we did the WrestleMania show, we were talking a lot about what a, just a great guy Vince was, because that was... A, sometimes you're really happy with Vince, and then uh, yep. other times, such as over the last couple months, it's, it's uh, hard not to outright despise him. But uh, that's why he's Vince. That's Vince for you. All right. But, uh, I mean, uh, I'm just throwing pointless stuff out here now, but do you remember when Shane and RVD 
the year before, we're going to feud over who the best natural athlete in the alliance is. Oh, I don't remember that. That sounds hideous. <laughs> Would have been something. Jesus Christ. All right. Shane McMahon. Shane McMahon, everybody. Shane yep. McMahon. All right. On to SummerSlam 2004, another show I I really don't remember that much. Although it was highlighted by uh, Randy Orton in his mainly bright orange trunks uh, winning the World Heavyweight Championship from Chris Benoit ending the dream in a good match. Randy was, of course, beaten by Triple H a month later and never heard, well, not never heard from again, but uh, seems only on the cusp of winning the title again only by attrition. Uh, yes, and it's strange they can mention this oddly similar situation for Randy Orton going to his SummerSlam. I don't know. Yeah. I wonder what happens, but um, that's actually probably Benoit's best match he ever had at SummerSlam, I'm thinking. Try to think. It was good. Yeah, it was. Uh, this, this show um, started the downward trend that hinders, I think, your chance of getting a really good pay-per-view in the last three years or so, which is they do not allot the time very well, and they mm. just outright don't care about uh, giving some of the matches that don't involve Hunter and select other people a lot of time. So, Like, uh, I mean, Kurt Anglinity wrestled for something like 12 or 13 minutes, which is kind yeah. of a slap in the face. And um, it was, again, not a not a terrible show. I, I believe it took place in Bizarro World. Toronto? Yes. And they, the crowd uh, fought them hard, and they, I think, vowed to not do any more shows there. Or, or when they did do shows, done, they yeah. were going to diss Toronto. Uh, they did the wave in the Undertaker-JBL match. Well, I don't... That was not, in fact... I believe a terribly exciting match. <laughs> if I have seen it, I can't remember if I have or not, but... Oh, well, also, yeah. I see Triple H fought Eugene for 14 minutes, which is, in fact, longer than Kurt Angle and Eddie Guerrero. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was, um, I mean, I, Brian Alvarez of figure4weeklyonline.com fame, you ever heard of him? Uh, yeah. He, he was saying uh, he thought that Raw, the first four or five months of this year, was maybe the best wrestling that ever there ever was. been on Raw or, mm-hmm. or something along those lines, but... I think I'd probably say it was the first six or seven months of uh, 2004, which oh. was the best on Raw. But that had subsided by the time the show rolled around for Eugene Mania. Yeah. Kind of ended that. Uh, that's ridiculous. Uh, Eugene, in fact, would screw up not just this SummerSlam. Not that I'm blaming him, but, you know, just uh, there are better guys for that spot. <clears throat> and then next year he wrestles Kurt Angle, which is like, oh, yeah, that's what I want to see. <laughs> yeah, that's worth my money. But uh, we would be remiss with not mentioning uh, Diva Dodgeball and the epic encounter of Team Dream versus uh, Team Diva. That's when Michelle McCool killed everybody with Dodgeball. Yeah, she was. Uh, it's amazing there. they don't have a, a Dodgeball uh, vignette about her. Yeah, really. It's like I love. But yeah, that is actually taking aggression out on balls. So, huh? It fits Let's the see. theme. But, That's uh, quite a. Let's see. We, on that team, we had Michelle McCool, Love and Life, Christy Hemi uh, in TNA still, Maria still active, mm-hmm. Amy Weber who uh, didn't Randy Orton uh, shit in her bag or something when she quit. He shit in a lot of bags, Joe. Okay. Uh, she she was um she joined the cabinet JBL's group <laughs> and yeah. then 
Um, she was harassed in Japan, not just by Orton, I think, but by a lot of people, JBL included, and, quit <laughs> and never came home. That's not being a good employer. And Joey Giovanni was the big show's friend, and uh, oh. she was released in a big talent exodus. She didn't really do much. Okay. I see someone named Tracy Wright, who uh, does not, in fact, get a Wikipedia entry, so must not have done a whole lot. She was the African-American Diva Search contestant. Oh. The rare bird. Now, it's worth noting on Team Diva, the only one left is Victoria. Oh. Gail Kim, Jazz, Stacy, Molly, Nydia, and Trish, who sat out, are, in fact, all gone. So there's... Well, that actually makes a lot of sense, then. There are more Diva Search contestants employed than than that era yeah. of uh, women's wrestlers. Interesting. I don't think it's an accident. No. But, yeah, this pay-per-view... Uh, I don't know, kind of forgettable. Yep, especially but, by SummerSlam standards. Yeah. Speaking of high SummerSlam standards, 2005. One he- uh, hell of a show, i got to say. Mm-hmm. Highlighted by Hulk Hogan defeating Shawn Michaels, who bumped like a madman during that match. Also the great, the infamous uh, move where he sold the leg drop by getting up, running around, <laughs> and flopping his arms, and then falling to the ground to be pinned by a leg drop. That match rules. That match, yeah, that match really does rule. And uh, this show is great. It's one of the best shows of the last three years or so. I would think so. Besides that, we had, uh, let's see, we had Chris Jericho and John Cena in a match that I think started the big Cena backlash. That was, I think, the first one I remember where they were really on Cena's case. I believe you're right. And I may be wrong, but yeah, I uh, I believe so. And that was actually a good match. Mm-hmm. We miss and you, Chris Jericho. Jericho's last, uh, Jericho's last pay-per-view for until he's gone he determined. Until, yeah. We miss you, Chris Jericho. Please come back. We also miss Eddie Guerrero. He's dead. Yeah, he uh, fought Rey Mysterio for custody of Dominic. And I just rewatched that match. And uh, that's actually a tremendous storytelling match. Mm-hmm. And it has some really uh, innovative ladder spots, too. It does, I too. I think it was possible at this point. Also uses children in, mm-hmm. uh, in potential child abuse in... Uh, an interesting manner. It introduces a big star, the Vicky Guerrero. That's character. right. Yeah. So fine job in that match. Notable for what I thought was um, Eddie blowing out his leg when he gets yanked off uh, yeah. the belt and lands on one leg, and it's either before or after he says like, "Where the fuck is Vicky?" or something. <laughs> yeah. So she's Let's always go. been a pro. She, I would say, is Mrs. SummerSlam because she also plays a big role in the next one. True. And she um, helped make this one. Edge and Matt Hardy was the beginning of that sad, sad story. <laughs> that did not go well for poor Matt Hardy, but he's doing okay for himself these days. Yeah, he's, he weathered that storm, but it was yes. quite a storm. Not go very well for him for a while, where he got punched and they stopped the match, I think. He was beaten in his revenge match. He was beaten so profusely. <laughs> he had to stop it. He was like, oh, well, that, that's a, a, a brave, valiant out for a baby face as he was throttled. Yeah. As he, got, he got his ass kicked. <laughs> Cheer for him. Also, yeah, uh, Chris Benoit beating Orlando Jordan in 25 seconds to set off a string of matches that would end quicker and quicker. And a and string the, of jokes on a on a um, subscription wrestling podcast. Yes. About time machines. Oh, that's right. But, okay. um, yeah, that's kind of an... An ode to Warrior Honky Tonk Man, I guess. Not that, not that there are a lot <laughs> what of... What a bizarre... <laughs> Nevertheless. Well, 
Chris Benoit proved to be much crazier than the Ultimate Warrior. But Good point. the self destruction of Chris Benoit. <laughs> oh, I can't wait for that. Four I like hard knocks. Chris Benoit's matches. I don't know what to say about Chris Benoit. Yeah, he had good matches, weird. but this was not his best match at SummerSlam, though. Although very yeah. satisfying. Nope. And let's just, uh, uh, let's just smile and, and uh, let's just move on. Okay. Oh, he had Randy Orton being the Undertaker in a good <laughs> match. Cowboy Bob ran in in uh, disguise yeah. as an old the, man. The win back from uh, WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Uh, Taker and, and Randy feuded like all year, and um, they did good stuff together. Yes, they did. Um, Granted, the haunting of Randy Orton was a little <laughs> dubious later in the, at the end of the year, but yeah, their feud, if anything, is marred by two things: those being uh, Bob Orton being possessed and Bob Orton bleeding his hepatitis. <laughs> That's right. I think. Uh... Maybe, Correct me if I'm wrong. I think Randy Orton's testicle was exposed in their Hell in a Cell match. I don't remember. I remember James Kalen taking a very nice picture of his package mm-hmm. as seen on the CubsFan.com. His legendary balls. Yes. But, um... Oh, yeah, Kurt Angle did fight Eugene. That's good. Eugene won the Angle Invitational. Oh, that, I remember that. And it's like, wow, that's a hell of a payoff there. Yep, yep, yep. And Angle and Sheldon Benjamin had a, a really good match the very next night, so mm-hmm. I prefer to pretend that that's what happened here. Yeah. Also, uh, Batista beat JBL in kind of a crappy match, although they did some, uh, they did work hard and had some big bumps, so I won't. Well, the guys apparently do not uh, get along. J- or Batista thinks uh, Bradshaw sandbagged him during their feud. That seems to happen to Batista a lot. <laughs> what do you know? Booker T at SummerSlam, no less. Yep, yep. Because that will segue us to 2006, a show I was at live. Where, do you uh, remember this one, then? I do remember this one rather vividly, and um, Batista and King Booker, where it sure looked like B- Booker uh, was sandbagging on a powerbomb attempt. Because <laughs> these two had fought in real life, and uh, Batista, no one likes him, but he is a grandfather, so there you go. <laughs> Grand Batista. I can't look at him without thinking that now. It's pretty weird. It's, yeah. Know, it's, is Ric Flair a grandfather? Of, uh, what? Oh, Rick, yes. It, it, okay. All right. Um, well. and, I wonder if uh, they're running buddies. <laughs> uh, they show pictures of their grandkids and, and <laughs> eat, eat <laughs> Werther's original. That's right. And go have coffee Sunday mornings. And, and that's what I envision grandfathers who are mutual friends doing. I'm sure. not being my assumption. But um, so you're at this show. Yep. And uh, that's cool for you. We've each been at SummerSlam. Yeah. It was Five, a two experts. That's right. It was a pretty good show. Where um, it was okay. <laughs> you know, there was there was uh, Edge. John Cena had another good match. Uh, let's see, Ric Flair and Mick Foley was rather was kind of fascinating, but a, a bit rushed. Foley, sadly, the problem with the last few SummerSlams is they do not dish out the time very fairly. No, it didn't seem. But you know, you had uh, Chavo and Ray, which and will be Ray repeated their, this year. Their late decade version of their match, which isn't quite as good anymore, but is never bad. No, and you also had the uh, the beginning of the Vicky Guerrero heel turn, which everyone mm-hmm. found so satisfying. Yep. And also, uh, poor Randy Orton, he wins the world title in 2004, beats The Undertaker 2005, does a big old job to uh, Hulk Hogan in 2006. Especially when Hulk Hogan hits the big boot and then pauses for about a half hour to pose before <laughs> hitting the leg drop. 
This was not quite uh, the same uh, stature as Hogan, Shawn Michaels. No. Didn't no. really as a match or a program or a drawing card. Way down as a program. The degree of any of that. Uh, and it was Hogan's last, uh, Hogan's last uh, match for the time being. Yeah. One of their falling out. Yep, another one. And, uh, yeah, the program to this was all very bad. I remember uh, they hinted at doing something with Brooke. Randy just gave the Hulkster an RKO on the hood of a car, which looked like it hurt Randy a lot more because he took a flat back bump on the hood of a car. Which is funny that, I mean, I'm guessing Hogan nixed the Brooke stuff, but that's just my guess, which I think would be funny not only considering what, how Brooke Hogan is, is marketed and things like that, but yes. also that he suggested that Sean, uh, the year before, to get heat, he wanted him to super kick Nick, which would have been awesome. Yeah, that would have been great. Who wouldn't love that? And um, so, no, that didn't really work. And uh, But you did see um, the surprising debut of Vince and Shane as the lost great 1980s heel tag team. Yes. Doing all the finishers. Using the demolition decapitation the heart attack clothesline and one other one. Um, uh, I don't know. It's I do not think it was the double Doomsday fist drop off. Oh, Dooms- it may have been the Doomsday device. I think so. Vince, he's, he can do squats. He got he can do squat. Yeah. It was sadly not the double top rope fist drop of the Rockers. <laughs> tremendous. Well, that's fine. I'm looking at uh, the page now, and uh, they purport that that match went 13 minutes, which is... Uh, that seems about, seconds longer than the Flair Foley match. So that, that seems was, short for that. I don't think it, none of the matches went longer than like 15 minutes, which is mm-mm. odd to me. But I don't know if I can trust Wikipedia here. Nope. <laughs> anyway, that brings us to 2007. The party is over. Is the tagline this year? I guess no longer the biggest party of the summer. Whoa. Or yeah, maybe there's that's a, a reference to the current state of. Pro wrestling, <laughs> could be, but um, if you look at the poster, you see Triple H looking like a he's on uh, Lost as he is <laughs> on a beach, looking rather disheveled with uh, long hair and a beard. Interesting. How about that? How about that? And this is taking place from East Rutherford, New Jersey, site of '89. Hopefully, history kind of repeats itself as far as quality pay per views go. We'll run down the card very quickly, what we know of it. Uh, we'll have Stupid John's... Wikipedia and their kayfabe rule. Yeah, that's right. We'll have to try and remember what else is. Actually, okay. I can't think of anything that I don't see listed there. But Okay. Well, we're going to have John Cena and Randy Orton. looks like Randy's going to win the match. And John Cena's 11-month uh, world title run. These two work well together. They've done long matches on house shows. This should be a pretty good match for me. I actually have, yeah, pretty good expectations, and I think a lot of people are going to be resistant to the idea that if it is really good, that it's really good, because they just be like, ah, chin lock, five knuckle shuffle, fuck these guys. <laughs> Being nope. that John Cena is the master of uh, pay-per-view, and yeah. uh, Orton has a lot of uh, steam right now. That's true. And it'll be intricately laid out and get sufficient time, I actually expect that to be quite good. Yep, should be good stuff. Speaking of good On stuff. On the other hand, we'll have uh, great. No, we did the speaking. Oh, okay. Sarcastic segue. Yeah. yeah. Another one in your bag. Yep. Right. Speaking of Grand Batista, he will be taking on the great Kali in another barn burner. Yeah, this should be. Uh, this is this match. They're so scared of this match. They're not doing it on house shows. They're doing tag matches. 
which makes you wonder. And wonder I do. I don't know if they're thinking Great Khali is long term or if they're going to finally put the belt on Dave. I don't even. I mean, if Dave wins, who's he going to feud with? I don't know. At least but, I mean, can wrestle. Uh, <laughs> who's Ray. The, Ray, yeah, I guess that went but, well. Yeah, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, don't, I mean, Big Dave doesn't have anyone really to fight, but he's come up short in so many pay-per-view title matches this year. You don't want to something you know, like oh for seven or eight. Something like, he's uh, fallen quite short numerous times, but I don't know. I don't know what that's going to do. I'm sure it'll be hideous. The most disappointing thing was if it's actually okay. <laughs> yep. that, would, that would devastate me because if it's if somehow it turns into a good match, then okay, a good match. If it's fucking hideous beyond all belief, that's awesome too, because <laughs> bad wrestling can be a ton of fun. But if it's okay and you're just like, uh, that would be a tragedy in my mind. Well, what's ironic is the year before, Kali and Undertaker were supposed to have a last man standing match, and they were so appalled that they just decided they could not put this on pay per view. And I believe, if I'm looking over, uh, I think that's the first SummerSlam Undertaker missed in his entire hmm. uh, career. And it was not, this year he'll miss it for injury. Last year he missed it because it would have sucked so bad. <laughs> so that, and now, a year later, Polly is uh, the world champion. So how about that? I think Undertaker was on sabbatical in 90. No way, he came back at 94. He fought himself. Mm-hmm. Wow. Anyway. In 2007, we'll also have John Morrison versus CM Punk for the ECW Championship. Uh, given the fact Punk's pinned him like a bunch of times in a row, uh, it looks like he's going to come up short yet again. Although, again, I don't know who John Morrison's going to fight because there's like five people on ECW. So I'm thinking he's going to fight CM Punk. <laughs> Just in perpetuity. Until, until WrestleMania. Wow. It's going to be your, your ECW match, which is a very different ECW match than Sabu versus The Big Show, which inexplicably was on SummerSlam the year before. Yes. Um, I, I haven't seen their other pay-per-view matches. I know the first one was took place Iffy. under bizarre circumstances. and um, Indeed. But uh, I like their 15-minute match on ECW. Hmm. So maybe, who knows? It's SummerSlam, so you know... Things are going to be timed weirdly. So yeah. I expect that to be like the opener. It probably will, could be. And let's see, we'll have Ray against Chavo in uh, Ray's return Again. match. Again. SummerSlam tradition. Yeah, that's uh, Ray versus A. Guerrero. Three years running. How about that? How about that? Should be fine, depending how. Hopefully, Ray will not end up in a wheelchair very soon, but, you know, what are you going to do? And the only other announced match I see on Wikipedia is Triple H versus King Booker in another return match, which uh, is fueled by something or other. Oh, Triple H. Oh, King Booker thinks he's the king and, and laughs at Triple H or something, so there you go. It's been pretty fun. I, I think they showed admirable restraint in actually holding him off until a pay-per-view. That's true. Um which they didn't do in uh, 2001 with The Rock. I mean, Rock in 2001 and Triple H in, in 07 are greatly yes. different circumstances, but uh, they shoved that guy on TV as soon as they could. You know, we never yeah. really said Rock was supposed to wrestle Steve Austin, and uh, that got greatly screwed up. I just thought I'd throw that in there, because it's one of my great SummerSlam sadnesses. Yeah. But, um, yeah, uh... It should. I don't know if it's going to be good because it's hard to tell with both those guys. They have their good matches and their average matches. I wonder if Triple H will remember he's racist, <laughs> or has he had a change of heart since? Uh, 
Like been American History X. Uh, hopefully. Without the curb stomps. Has he had any black friends? He, they did meet Crime Time in that one vignette, although oh, yeah. that was still vaguely racist. So. Yeah, so I don't know. We'll have to see. Probably not. I mean, yeah. Interesting. Who does like black people? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh, I sure do. But. I forgot to use what I thought were the, the two great catchphrases spawned by your putting together that dream team of you, Dix, and... Um, Rob Naylor, which mm-hmm. again is sad, we'll never see again, but um, more retarded than Cronus? That should be a good phrase. <laughs> more retarded than Cronus. Which SummerSlam do you think was more retarded than Cronus? Uh, 2003. Okay. Yeah. That's the new tagline. All right. For That's the good. Ben Wallace DVD they re-release. <laughs> more retarded than Cronus. <laughs> All right. I th- we have covered 20 years worth of SummerSlams. How about that? Yay. I'm pleased. I'm pleased, too. I want to thank you for being on this uh, magical journey. It has been magical. It has been. I think so. Wonderland of magic. Oh, I mean, you and me, it's been quite a ride, my friend. We had quite a ride, but we're not done. We'll get you some stuff on the uh, the final show. Hmm. We'll do some house cleaning then. But All right. Any more SummerSlam thoughts? No, I'm just... Uh... Now I'm starting to be a little overwhelmed. Okay. Yeah. It's finally, he's finally catching up to you, I think. Oh. You and me has been just like this remarkable, this nonstop party. So Yeah. I mean, we can we can start doing shows that you don't record and just chat. <laughs> just talk, yeah. All right. I'm I looking forward talk. to that. That's cool. Okay. All right. Well, that's going to do it for SummerSlam. We will be back with the final show, number 63. That's it. I have some ideas. We'll see if they come to fruition. Justin will surely be a part of it. Maybe. Maybe. But I hope so. But that's going to do it. So, on that note, I thank you for listening, and I will talk to you in a bit for the very end. <laughs>